Um, as a reminder, today we're continuing with our At The Movie series uh, with our second movie today. Maybe you've seen it or maybe not. It's a movie called Ready Player One. And uh, as we dive into that, here's just a, a little bit of a glimpse of what that movie is about. Oh, this main guy? I was born in 2027, after the corn syrup droughts, after the bandwidth riots, after people stopped trying to fix problems and just tried to outlive them. My parents, they didn't make it through those times, so I live here in Columbus, Ohio with my Aunt Alice. In 2045, Columbus is the fastest growing city on Earth. It's where Halliday and Morrow started gregarious games. These days, reality is a bummer. Everyone's looking for a way to escape. And that's why Halliday, that's why he was such a hero to us. He showed us that we could go somewhere without going anywhere at all. You don't need a destination when you're running on an omnidirectional treadmill with quadraphonic pressure-sensitive underlay. James Halliday saw the future, and then he built it. He gave us a place to go, a place called the Oasis. Reality is a bummer. And here in Ready Player One, we are in the not-so-distant future in the year of 2045, and apparently reality isn't all that great. Here we meet a guy named Wade Watts who lives in Columbus, Ohio. And technology is advancing at a very rapid rate, and the latest tech is this video game that is played through a VR headset, as the one I'm wearing. So if you guys actually look under your seats, uh, you will actually see there's nothing there. That's a quote from the movie, I thought that was funny. Uh, but VR headsets are out there today, and many people use them for video games, for watching videos, for watching movies, um, and they're actually working on, uh, you're able to watch live sporting events uh, with these goggles on. So you can look to the left, you'll see fans, look to the right, you'll see the popcorn guy. Uh, so technology is rapidly moving forward. And the reason they're so popular is because they make it seem so 
real. I mean, you walk to the left, you walk into the room that's on in the video. And whatever you are watching, you're able to see as if you are there. And in this movie, we actually see it at a very high rate where you can actually feel what you feel what you're experiencing in this VR. So you can wear body suits, so if somebody taps you on the back, you feel it. You get a punch to the, to the chest, you, you're gonna feel it. Uh, so this is a very high tech piece of technology. And for Wade Watts, uh, this is what he uses quite often because as you heard, reality is a bummer and he was looking for a way to escape it. And Wade would probably say he's not a huge fan of his life in the real world, Thus, that's why he finds himself constantly escaping to the Oasis. And a few weeks ago, I took a team of 18 students down to Baltimore, and we saw the reality of what a bummer of a reality can look like. And if you guys supported us, you prayed for us, you encouraged us, thank you. It was quite an incredible week. Uh, but our team really saw reality in other places of the world, of our country. And so what we did was we went to a low-income housing community. There are about 350 units, so it was a very large place. And we saw uh, these kids. We ran a kids' VBS, a camp in the afternoon for them. And what we saw was heartbreaking. Uh, we saw a lot of kids um, that were just treated very, very poorly uh, from each other, from the parents. I mean, the words that were used indirect towards the kids were just so difficult to hear. And day one of our camp was just a nightmare. I mean, it was a nightmare. We had no control. These kids misbehaved. They would fight constantly, pulling each other's hair, throwing punches, saying a lot of four-letter words, if you know what I mean. Uh, these kids were told constantly they were nothing, they were worthless. They will never amount to anything, like I said, by the kids, by the parents. So this was the reality that they found themselves in. And I can guarantee you, they probably wanted to escape it. They probably wanted to leave. So for you, it may not be this, but I'm sure we all in our time of life have wanted to escape something. So what is something in your reality that's just a bummer? Maybe it's a work situation poor relationships, school drama, physical pain, family problems. Maybe you're in a good place right now, and that's awesome, but I'm sure you can think back in a time of your life where you just wanted to run. So what is something you are trying to escape? Because the solution, as you saw in the movie, was not to fix those problems, just to outlive it, just to escape it. And I think Christians, we see that a lot today because we are in a time, maybe the political climate, the cultural climate is so scary, and all we just say is, you know what? I'm just going to outlive this. We'll get through it. I'm going to be in heaven soon. So what's the deal? So our reality is we live in a fallen world, a world where sin affects our relationship with God, with other people, creation, even our own existence. And we are born this way. And I know this is taboo to say today because if you look over periods of time, you'll see that belief has changed. So before the 18th century, uh, you'll see that man being born inerrantly bad was a commonly held view. But if you fast forward to today, to the modern era, you'll see that most people believe that we are born good. That, you know, sin was blamed on ignorance, and if we just learned a lot, was very educated, became more knowledgeable, uh, we would be, and the world would be a better place. And I think this is what we believe today in our current society, that we, at the end of the day, are just, we're good. Although scripture is very clear on this. Sin has made the reality we live in a bummer. We're not okay, we're not all right, we won't just get by. 
we're dead. And Paul gives us a picture as to what that looks like in Romans 3, uh, verses 10 to 12. He says this, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands God. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside and have, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is reality, that before we follow Christ, we are sinful, we are callous to our evil actions, and our hearts have become corrupt and selfish, completely contrary to what our culture is telling us that we're all right, that we blame our upbringing, our influence, our surroundings for our sinfulness, that the problem is outside of ourselves, and the reality is that we are actually flawed, and the problem is inside of us. Because if we deny that and we believe that the problem truly is outside of us, we're going to continue to do what we see here in Ready Player One. We're going to try to escape it when we can't. Because I see this all the time in all stages of life. I see uh, many different comforts, places, substances we go to to escape different methods. And here are three of the main ways that I see, although we may have our own, that I have seen people use to escape the reality they find themselves in. And one of the biggest escapisms, methods of escapisms I've seen over the years is to escapism to alcohol and drugs. I remember in high school, people couldn't wait for the weekends. Whoever's parents were gone became the party house, and people would go there, they would binge drink, do drugs to escape school pressure, identity issues, friend drama, and this would only continue in college, as we know, it continues at a much larger scale. School pressure heightens, job preparation begins, some big school loans hit you, and the need for escape only becomes more necessary. This continues and continues. The young adult years, you have early job struggles. You're paying for things like rent and bills. Like, what are those? And then what am I going to do with my life type of question hits. No biggie, right? The escapism continues and continues as we get older and older. Yet alcohol and drugs never bring the satisfaction we want. We never truly escape. I love what J.D. Greer says on this. He says, alcohol gets rid of worry by making you forget. The Holy Spirit gets rid of worry by making you remember. Because alcohol and drugs only for a brief moment makes you think the bummer of a reality that you are in isn't there. But what the Holy Spirit does, it opens your eyes to what Jesus has done for you and the reality you can have with Jesus. I love that. The second way, uh, method of escapism I see is to TV. I see this as deceiving because it's really not seen as destructive or bad or we throw that, at least I'm not doing that. Uh, Netflix has allowed us to lose ourselves in a TV series, a trilogy of movies. Uh, we can look back and go, I think I just watched five hours of Friends or The Office. <laughs> We numb our minds, we escape to other worlds and lives of stories that are told, trying to leave our own. And lastly, uh, escapism to social media. Uh, this has created a way for us to lose ourselves in living vicariously through other people. We escape the pain of insecurity, loneliness, by putting up photos for likes and for others to validate who we are. We often play the comparison game feeling worse than we did before. So we are a people that like to run away or avoid a mess. So where in your life today are you escaping to? Because in this movie, as you saw, this was made possible by the Oasis. Uh, but what is it that makes the Oasis so desirable, so eager to get to? Why is everybody going here? And I see three big reasons we're going to look at today why people go to the Oasis. The first one is they're escaping for character. Uh, 
They're escaping for a community, and they're escaping for a cause. These are the three things that are prevalent throughout the movie, and we're going to take a look at what Wade Watts tells us a bit about this paradise that people can't stop going to. So let's see what this oasis is all about. The Oasis. It's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. You can do anything. Go anywhere. Like the vacation planet. Surf a 50-foot monster wave in Hawaii. You can ski down the pyramids. You can climb Mount Everest with Batman. Check out this place. It's a casino the size of a planet. You can lose your money there. You can get married. You can get divorced. You can, you can go in there. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Tall, beautiful, scary, a different sex, a different species, live action, cartoon. It's all your call. Yeah, that's me. Well, that's my avatar. At least, until I feel like changing. Except for eating, sleeping, and bathroom breaks, whatever people want to do, they do it in the Oasis. And since everyone is here, this is where we meet each other. It's where we make friends. Locate H. People go to the oasis for the things they can do. They can stay for the things they can be. People are very uncomfortable with who they are. Maybe it's their looks, maybe it's their past, their shame, their identity. But what Mr. Uh, Jim Halliday created was this world, this oasis, that people could go find things that they couldn't in the real world. This is where many would make friends. They would find a purpose. They would find their identity, or should I say create. So the first thing is people escape to the Oasis for their character, for their identity. As you saw, it's all your call. Be whatever you want. And I think many of us would feel relieved if we could go and change things in our lives, change our past, change our present. And here in Ready Player One, we see that if you don't like any of these things in your life, you can go to the Oasis and change them to whatever you desire because you can have people perceive you the way you want. And I see that here with Wade Watts in the Oasis. And in the Oasis, he's known as Parsible. He can change his hair, his eyes, his body within seconds, as you saw. And one thing he liked to be known as in this video game world of Oasis was someone who wanted to complete this special challenge. So in the movie, you see that when the Oasis was created, the creator put in a challenge for everybody that was presented once he passed away. So whoever completed this challenge and won would win a half a trillion dollars, crazy, and the ownership of this world, of the oasis. And this became Parsifal's character. This is who he was. This was his identity and what he wanted to be known as, is someone who won this challenge. Although the problem with this identity is he has to come back to reality. The hair he wanted, the body he created, the voice he made, it all goes away when he takes the headset off because 
It's now reality, which is so similar to what we see today because we are living in a time period where your gender, your sexuality, your attractiveness, your race, your job, so many things can define who you are. But the problem is many of these things don't last. It's just not reality. We are creating and chasing our own character or identity that is just as temporary as we see here in the Oasis. So we may not be physically wearing a VR headset as we live our lives, but we are living as though we are. Money runs out, job ends, the looks change, relationships move on. They are all temporary identities that we cling to for importance and for validation. Our identity is coming from things that will one day we will have to remove the headset and be in reality. So what created identity are you creating in your oasis? Scripture tells us that this is beyond anything we could create, is there is a special identity that God has for us that won't change and that no one else can take from you and one that time will never affect. An identity that I have given for you and I adopted you into my family, God says. And we see that here in Galatians chapter 4. It says this, To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is what God has declared to be true, that when we follow Christ, we become adopted into his family, and this is our identity now. An heir through Christ because God says so. I am who you say I am, even when I may feel differently. And Lauren Daigle, uh, she's a songwriter, we've sung her songs before, captures this truth in her song, You Say. She says this, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. My identity is determined by what God says because what God says is reality. I am who the great I am says I am, and that changes everything. So back to our Baltimore trip, we actually saw this reality uh, come true because we made it our goal to treat these kids how God speaks of them, that they are created in the image of God. Even amidst this madness that I told you about on day one, our students did not give up when they were presented with a difficult task. Every single night we talked at length, how can we make this better? How can we make uh, teaching them God's word better. They loved on these kids. They gave these kids attention, care, and grace. We told these kids that they mattered, that they were something when they were constantly told they were not. And this was amazing. From day one to day four, by the last day, their attitudes, their moods, their behavior all improved so greatly. These lives were changed in the matter of days when they were treated with the love of God. I remember the first day, there were these two boys. If you went on the trip, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, let's just say they were quite a handful. We'll just say that. But by the last couple of days, it was amazing. We'd, we'd pull up in our van to the community. They'd be there waiting. They'd want to help us set up everything. They were like our, our biggest fans. And they would want to join us, hang out with us, be a part of our group. They wanted to join in the community that we shared together. They saw us treat each other with love, care, grace, and they wanted to share in that. And that is an amazing reminder that when you are in Christ, you share in that community. You experience transformation 
when we live not isolated, but with others to care for, to lean on, to speak truth into your lives. And we saw that in Baltimore. It was amazing. And we actually do see a glimpse of that in our movie, Ready Player One. We see Parsible, at the beginning of the movie, he tells us so many times, he says, I don't clan up. I don't clan up. You probably have no idea what I'm saying. I don't clan up means I, I don't work with groups. I, I, I work alone. I do this by myself. Uh, but eventually, that changes. He eventually actually builds a clan. He builds a group to works with because he knows he's never going to solve this challenge and solve all these clues on his own. So he finally clans up with some four friends that we see in the movie, Artemis, H, Dido, and Sho. Uh, here they are in a picture. Uh, so this is this new squad. They're working together. They want to solve the challenge. And here I'm going to show you a clip uh, from the movie where this clan is working together to solve a clue. So let's watch that. I just figured it out. Figured what out? The second clue, I know what it means. We've been thinking about it too literally. The leap not taken, the leap Halliday didn't take, is with Kira. Yeah, but, I mean, he blamed her for breaking up him and Moro. No, Halliday was madly in love with her. He had a chance with Kira, he had a chance to kiss her. He didn't take the leap. So that's where we go next. Place where the leap wasn't taken. Where the date was. At the movies. Hey, Curator. We figured out the second clue. The challenge is here. Halliday kept track of every movie he ever watched, the week and the year he watched it, and how many times. Curator, can we see November 23 to 27, 2025? That's the week he went on the date with Kira. Okay, so our options for that week are the fly remake. Great flick, terrible date movie. Say anything, that would make sense. We gotta remember the clue. A creator who hates his own creation. The Shining. It's Halliday's 11th favorite horror film, and it's based on the best-selling book by Stephen King, who hated the movie. Hey, no side chit chat. I think we found it. Are you absolutely sure you want to go here? Absolutely positive. Let's hope you have the belly for it. to find the key. Yeah, there's so many keys in The Shining, though. Where do we start? I've never seen The Shining. Is it really scary? Uh... Don't worry, don't worry. We'll stop there. I saw some of you squirming in your seats, closing your eyes. We won't show The Shining. Uh, but what we see here is people escape to the oasis for community. They may not have this in the real world, but they go here to find that. And actually, remember this. In my high school, college days, 
uh, Xbox Live, people would go online, they'd find friends, they would play with all the time. They'd, they'd message them, say, hey, let's play tomorrow. So they would find this online playing video games, and we see that here in the Oasis. So for Ready Player One and Parsifal and his friends, they lived in community with each other, trying to win this challenge. And as you saw, they talked to each other, they listened to each other, later on you'll see them protect each other. Uh, you'll see that they had a purpose together, and this was their community. They used their different talents and skills to work together. And when your identity is in Christ, as we said, uh, you have that, yet so much more in the body of Christ. And it's actually real. <laughs> like Parsifal, if you try to live on your own, you're not going to get many places, because life is meant to be spent in community. And Paul tells us what this unity, community, looks like in Christ here in Ephesians Chapter 4, he says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. I love what Paul says here. I love these words because this is the church. When Paul wrote many of these attributes, he was saying, they were completely contrary to his current culture because pride was way more highly prized than humility. So it was very different for these Ephesians to be reading. But this is the manner that Paul says we as followers of Christ are meant to live by. I mean, if we truly lived by our calling, we really loved each other through our weaknesses, our failures, and conflicts, we'd have the community the church is meant to be. One that is only by being transformed through the love of Christ. Our community should be appealing. I actually, I recently had a, a plumber working in my house. Apparently, you can't flush diapers. This is news to me. Uh, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, so this, me and this plumber were talking about uh, church. I work there, and I'll tell him how many people go there. And he asks me this question that, like, I don't know if I've really been asked before, but it really caught me. He said, what's the draw What's the draw? I like caught me off guard. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean, what's the draw? He goes like, what's the draw? Why do so many people go to your church? And like, I think I kind of froze. I was like, ah, oh, God, Jesus, because those are like the go-to answers we learn. <laughs> but I was like, that is a great question. What's the draw? Why do people go to Millington Baptist Church? Why do people go to church in general? Because I'm reading Ephesians 4, and I'm like, this should be the, this should be the draw. This should be the draw, the community being Jesus, loving each other with humility, gentleness, patience. I mean, this is amazing because this is what we are called to be. So are we as a church, are we humble, are we gentle, are we bearing with one another in love, eager to keep the unity and the peace between each other? Because if we are, then that is the draw. That is the draw to church. And I think one of the reasons that this clan in Ready Player One uh, they work so well together and they solve these clues. They're so close to winning the challenge is the community they share is so much better than other groups in this world of the Oasis. Because them working together brought them to where we are in the movie. They're so close to winning this challenge. But what we see here is another evil clan that don't really work well together. Uh, they're trying to solve this clue and win and probably create a corrupted Oasis. Uh, but Parsifal and his clan do not want that to happen. Not only do they have great community, but they have a unifying cause, a unifying purpose that brings them together to win the challenge and to save the oasis. In church, don't we have a unifying cause? Don't we have a unifying purpose? And that purpose is to be Jesus to others, to spread the gospel, to make disciples. That's our cause. And that makes church 
uh, our church a community because that is how we were created to live. So that is our cause. But for Parsifal and others, their common cause was to win this challenge. And their great cause to save the Oasis was a unifying cause that not only brought their community closer, but as we'll see in the movie, it actually brought in tons of others in the Oasis to join in their community and to fight for their cause. So let's see how Parsifal makes that happen. Citizens of the Oasis, I am Parsifal, first to the key. I'm here talking to all of you now because our future is being threatened by people who will stop at nothing to win this contest. Some of you already know this, and you've lost much more than just your avatars or your weapons. Some have lost their freedom. Some have lost their lives. And now, this. A force field around the third challenge. I only came here to escape that life dealt but I stayed like many of you because I found something much bigger than just myself I found a cause I found my friends and yes I know it's kind of a groaner but I found love I found something greater than just myself I found a cause I love this line because if we could say this and live by this, it would create, our world would be so different. Because people escaped to the oasis for a cause. They wanted to feel a part of something, something life-changing, a part of a movement that did great things. And that's what they're actually saying about this next generation of students coming through. They want to feel as though they're doing something great, making a positive difference in the world at school and at work. And we did see this with our Baltimore team. After we left, our students were saying, we need to go back. We need to go back to Baltimore. We need to go there next year because they saw the difference. We saw the lives change because their cause was unifying. Their cause was for Christ. And it was amazing to see our community come together and change this community in Baltimore. But the problem is that when we live our lives with, with this VR headset on, uh, we typically don't find many things greater than ourselves. Or maybe we're fighting for the wrong cause. Because the truth is, we are living and fighting for something every single day. So what is it for you? What's the cause that drives you? Because Paul tells us in Ephesians what our cause is uh, as a Christian. What our life should be molded by. And he says this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what our cause is on this earth as followers of Jesus is to do good works for the Lord, to honor God with the things we do, we say, we think, to bring him glory. Stop fighting for worthless things. Stop running in vain for temporary satisfactions. That's not what our cause is for because when we live with this on, we're putting our strength, our time, our energy into fighting for the best career, the best reputation, the best bank account. We aren't fighting for the right cause. What we are doing is we're living with our headsets on and we're living with only a short life, a false reality in mind because our life is blinded by our near-sightedness. Let me, tell you, let me give you an illustration of how that it's true. I love this illustration. Francis Chan has used this illustration before. Uh, I actually used this uh, for our students for an apologetic series 
in the spring, and they really, they really enjoyed it. So I want you to pretend, if you guys can pretend with me, hopefully you still have imagination, uh, that this rope goes on forever. Pretend this rope goes on forever. It wraps around the world a few times, something like that, okay? So this is a very long rope. I know it's not. Let's pretend it is, okay? So we have this very long rope, <clears throat> and I want you to picture this rope as a timeline of your existence, okay? This is a timeline of your existence, okay? And this little blue part right here, okay? Everyone can see that? This little blue part is your time here on earth. So you have a few short moments here on this earth, and then you have millions and millions of years somewhere else. But you see, the problem is, when we live our life on this earth, all we think about, the thoughts, the things that we do, the actions, are really only with this tiny little piece in mind. We're like, I need to get this by here, I need to make sure that's paid off by here. All right? We don't have the millions and millions of years afterwards in our mind. I love what Francis Chan says. He says, some of us, we save, 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 so we can really enjoy this tiny little portion right here at the end. Are you serious? What about this? What about this? What about this? This goes on forever, remember? What about this? What about this? Millions of years afterwards, we aren't spending our life thinking about all of these things. We're so consumed with living this tiny portion, so comfortable, so safe, and make sure we really enjoy it as much as possible. Francis would say he, he would have people come up to him and be like, you're so stupid, because that is really gonna affect this. And Francis is like, no, you're stupid, because that is gonna affect all of this. So this is what Paul is saying, is telling us right here. He's saying quit fighting and living with only this tiny little portion in mind. You need to live with all of this in mind because our cause, our fighting for, is for Jesus to do good works, to live for him, to bring him glory. So what is something in your life that you would change if you had eternity in mind? Because I think this is such an important question to think about, especially, I think, in this area that we live in, because all we work for, all we live for, is to make sure that <clears throat> we, our kids, our family, our friends are super comfortable and really enjoying this portion right here. Our choices, our decisions we make is so that we can really make sure these few moments are enjoyable. But I believe if we had eternity in mind instead, uh, if our cause was truly for Jesus, I think we'd spend our money much differently. I believe parents would spend more time with their kids than in the office. I believe what we do with our free time would be radically <clears throat> different. Because when we follow Christ, this portion right here is going to be so much different than everybody else's. We're going to be uncomfortable at times. We are going to struggle at times. But that's because my decisions aren't based off of knowing this exists. My decisions, my thoughts, my actions are knowing this all exists. That this is reality. And I think that is way more important. In Philippians, Paul says he is straining forward for what lies ahead, which is all of this. He is pressing onward toward the goal to win the prize because that is what reality is, that eternity exists, and what you do here in this tiny portion matters. And for Parsifal, I think he wasn't quite sure what reality was because he spent so much time in this alternate world of the oasis 
And here at the end of the movie, we see Jim Holiday, the creator, gives him a piece of wisdom after winning the challenge with his clan. Let's see what Jim Holiday has to say to him. I, I created the Oasis because I never felt at home in the real world. I just didn't know how to connect with the people there. I was afraid for all of my life. Right up until the day I knew my life was ending. Well, that, that was when I realized that as terrifying and painful as reality can be, it's also the, on, the only place that you can get a decent meal. Because reality is real. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, I do. He did it. He got the egg. Reality is real. And at the end of the day, reality really is the only thing that's real. And for many people that go to the Oasis for so long, I think they forget it's not real. It's not reality. They begin to believe themselves it's just as real as reality. It's just as important as the things they do in the real world. And for many of us, we fall along this pattern as well. We get caught up in the Oasis of many things, and we begin to believe that it is reality. Do you remember why people would go to the Oasis in the beginning? Because bummer, or the reality, is a bummer. Jim Halliday even said he created the Oasis because he never felt at home in the real world. He didn't even know how to connect with people there. He was afraid for all his life. I think that's the reality for a lot of us. We're scared of making new friends. We're nervous about change. We're uncomfortable about conflict. We don't like reflecting on ourselves. So we cling to our created identity instead of facing the real truth that we are sinners. But God did not leave us there. He didn't leave us in that reality. The reality of God and his plan is evident as we go all the way uh, to the beginning of Ephesians chapter one because Paul gives us a glimpse as to what reality really is. So listen to these words of truth in Ephesians chapter one. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Amen, that this is reality. Like I said earlier, we live in a fallen world where sin has corrupted our relationships with everything, with God, each other, ourselves. But God has a plan. He has a way to restore what was once broken. The reality here is so many amazing things. As I quoted before, alcohol, drugs, any escapism, any oasis we go to makes you forget. But the Holy Spirit makes you remember that all of this that I said is a reality. Because the reality is we are not worthy, but God has blessed us in Christ. The reality is we are corrupt and impure, but God has made us holy and blameless. The reality is we feel alone and out of place, but God has adopted us into his family. The reality is we are sinful and we mess up a lot, but God has shown us his glorious grace. The reality is we were enslaved and in captivity, but God has redeemed us through his blood. This is reality. This is the gospel, the good news that sets us free. Because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the fact that we are sinful and flawed, but that's okay because the Holy Spirit also opens our eyes to the reality that we are in need of a Savior, a Savior who, when he went on the cross, experienced the worst reality any of us could have ever experienced. One that took it on all the bummers of our lives, took the reality of the wrath of God upon himself. Because the great thing is, we don't have to go to the oasis anymore. We don't have to escape the reality of God's wrath because Jesus has taken that on so that we can live in the reality that is real, the reality that we are redeemed and set free from our bondage. Guys, the oasis, whatever the oasis is in your life, will never give you that. It doesn't set us free from the release uh, of the pains that we experience, the suffering. It only hides it from us temporarily. But God did not hide from us when he revealed the truth of the gospel to us through his son, Jesus, who suffered and died on our behalf. Stop running to the oasis and start running to Jesus because he will satisfy your heart's desire for character, for community, and for a cause. Only in him can we find these things. Because reality is a bummer, but God has made it a blessing because God has shown grace and love to a humanity that has fallen short, and that is an amazing blessing to know that. Let's pray, and as I do that, I'm gonna invite the worship team up here as we close in worship. Lord Jesus, thank you for opening our eyes to reality. Thank you for opening our eyes to your love, your grace, your plan, the gospel, because God, as we know that we are sinful, Lord, and we are flawed, and the problem is that it's inside of ourselves. We can never truly run away from that. But the reality is you never ran away from it, Lord. You took that pain, you took that sin, you took that suffering on the cross so we can experience the true reality of your blessings, that we can experience the reality that we have a Savior who loves us, we have a Savior who died on the cross for our sins, and that is reality, Lord. Help us remove our headsets off and help us to see with clarity who you are. And we praise you, Lord, for your grace. We praise you 
because you are a great God. Thank you for defending us. Thank you for loving us. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Johnny. Let's stand, church.